Hi and welcome everyone to the 47th episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Alanson and today's podcast will be about develop for Dynamics 365. And with me today I have George Dubinsky from Alexa CRM. George is a nine-time CRM MVP specializing in all things difficult. If you cannot find him online poking at CRM tip of the day or CRM.audio, it must be a rare occasion when he sleeps, spends time with his family or travels from A to B. Welcome, George Dubinsky. Uh, good morning, good evening, Marcus, and uh, thanks for having me here. Uh, it's always a pleasure, long-time listener, uh, first-time uh, caller speaker. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's get rolling. We've got a lot of things to talk about. We have, so... What's a good customer relationship for you? Uh, for me, it's uh, it's probably a bit uh, different from um, most of uh, Dynamics uh, CRM or Dynamics 365 uh, developers uh, because I'm developer and also owner of the business. So I deal with uh, small to medium businesses most of the time. I rarely get engaged uh, uh, into uh, large projects, um, only as uh, external party. Uh, and that means that uh, most of the time I spend, uh, uh, I spend my projects with people who actually pay for the project and pay for the projects out of their own pockets. So my relationships are uh, a bit different because when people ask for things, they are the people who actually pay for things. So when they do ask uh, for some development to be done, um, then uh, um, they really need to get it done. Uh, in the first place. And uh, the second part is that uh, uh, if it's not getting done to their satisfaction, well, they get really upset because they just paid money. So, um, yeah, the relationship with multi-medium business, it's love and hate. It's very close, but uh, uh, and it's easygoing most of the time, but sometimes it could be challenging. So for me, good relationship with the customer it's uh, it's it's about being kind of uh, close to your customer it's about being um, uh, acquaintance sometimes even friend uh, with the customer uh, certainly get to know them um, get close to them try to look at their business from their point of view um, and uh, try to deliver on time most of the time who are your customer well the customer base is uh, Different, as I said, uh, they are small, small to medium businesses. Um, this is the consulting part of our business, where we engage into Dynamics uh, CRM until two days ago, and uh, now Dynamics 365 implementations. But the second part of my business is uh, ISV development. So we uh, we've been involved for quite some time in developing. Uh, Dynamics uh, CRM portals in PHP, so uh, we kind of ventured into this world, uh, and then we developed and released a free uh, WordPress plugin for WordPress. Uh, we released it about months and a half ago, um, 
maybe two months ago. Uh, that's a free one based on PHP toolkit that it's also on GitHub. So that's uh, available for consumption for people to go find, install, play with it. Um, and of course, we have a premium edition um, that is available, uh, will be available shortly, probably in the next couple of weeks. And that will allow people to build uh, uh, portals in uh, WordPress and PHP. So that's our ISV part of the business. And then the customers are, well, all over the world. So we currently have customers in UK, US, Australia. So would love to have customers from Sweden. So we'll see. We need to, um, to make it international. So we're looking to translate uh, our product into multiple languages and uh, get it going. I mean, WordPress is pretty big all over the world. So that's a good opportunity for you guys. Well, I hope so. Uh, well, sadly, when people say that, uh, you know, 25% of internet is powered by WordPress, 99% uh, of those uh, sites are pretty much uh, uh, one page, you know, default hello world sites that never see the light of the day. But uh, yeah. but still, we have... Uh, we have uh, uh, companies like uh, New York Times, you know, cool, cool. So running WordPress. So yeah, we're looking forward. Um, it's different from Dynamics portals that is part of Dynamics 365. Um, it is different. We come in from a different point of view. We're not coming from Dynamics. So we come in from if you have a WordPress site and you have Dynamics 365 and you're looking to connect the two, then um, WordPress plugin. Uh, is something that uh, you can be uh, uh, you you can certainly use you can look at and uh, just go to WordPress directory we published there so uh, just search for Dynamics CRM and you'll find it and uh, install it and give a quick it a go. question does it work with both WordPress.org and WordPress.com sites. Uh, yes, it does because um, uh, it, it, it's it's gone through scrutiny to get published on WordPress.org. You actually oh, have to go. Through I didn't the know. They, they actually they go through your code. They do the code review. Um, they make sure that you comply with the license. They make sure that. Uh, uh, your code is available, so our code's, uh, source code is on GitHub for this one, um, and so on and so forth. So it's been a long process uh, to get uh, to get published. So uh, particularly because we are talking to a third-party service like Dynamics CRM, which is a paid service. Kind of this is uh, not your typical WordPress plugin scenario. So. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a long road, but to get published there, it's uh, uh, it's a pretty high bar they set up uh, for plugins. But we're there, so foot in the door, so yeah. give it a go. And for good reasons, they do that. But yes, let's yes. continue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so security is, is for one. Yeah, yeah, security is one of those. So, what is it that you do? Well, day in, day out, or just <laughs> in general, because day in, day out, is uh, it's about uh, dynamic CRM 90% um, of the time. Uh, we, uh, we look at the projects, we develop uh, for the projects, we talk to business owners, we talk to users, 
we look at the projects, how they can improve, um, how we can improve them. Uh, and the difference with small to medium business that it's, the project is really like, oh, we start on the first and we finish on the 15th. Uh, it doesn't work like that with small businesses. So it's always, we, we do have initial releases when we get people up and running. But then once people up and running, it's more of a project by demand. So they need to get something done. It's usually small. So we schedule, we get it done, move on. So there is no, you know, monthly development cycle or anything like that unless unless business calls for it. Um, otherwise, it's incremental, tiny improvements, uh, which is always challenging, I suppose, uh, to move in small increments. Uh, but that's, well, that's daily life uh, uh, of people who deal with the small to medium businesses. And, um, well, the second part is uh, overseeing uh, PHP development uh, on the WordPress and PHP side. We have projects going there, customer, uh, customer projects going there. Um, I wouldn't write a line in PHP if you put a gun to my head. I'm in .NET world firmly, so I have the guys that uh, I have to look after and uh, look that they're doing the right thing. Uh, as you can appreciate, it's challenging to have people coming from PHP and talking to Dynamics CRM to find someone who can be comfortable in both worlds. It's it's difficult. So yeah, that, so the daily routine is uh, smorgasbord. Uh, it's never about a single thing. It's whatever comes next. Uh, plus, yeah, plus uh, uh, tip of the day and CRM audio and now talking to you. So doing some uh, some interesting work and uh, showing to the world so that's my daily life cool so i've been looking at the the new stuff here for dynamics 365 and then i took a look at the what's new for developers so they listed a couple of things that they've changed and the couple of things were a pretty long list I mean, one of the things that I noticed is that part of this now isn't just situated in Dynamics 360, sorry, Dynamics CRM. So part of this is actually, oh, you connect to your Azure and then you do things on that. So perhaps we can start with there. I mean, how do I find my own URLs? Is that just under developer resources inside Dynamics C Dynamics 365 or how do I find out where where to connect to? Okay. Uh, yeah, it is indeed a very long list uh, because of a lot of features introduced. Um, so CRM or Web API aside for, for a time being, how do you find and why? what's the reason for those other APIs? Well, the, the reason is quite simple. Um, Dynamics CRM is no longer, or Dynamics 365, it's no longer just about CRM. And uh, it's not even about CRM. It's now about uh, uh, sales, customer service, field services, project service automation, whatever comes next. 
it's about customer insights um, it's about uh, you know internet of things and so on so on so it's about applications and services as such the applications and services may live elsewhere in particular in azure so when you Take, for example, uh, let's go down the list. So the first one is uh, Field Services Developer Guide. So Field Services, uh, the core of Field Services would be inside um, Dynamics 365. So you, because uh, there are entities, there are fields, uh, there are uh, messages uh, uh, specific to Field Services. So you you would have uh, you would have to use um, traditional endpoints. You know, uh, you can still use SOAP, but you would use Web API to talk to those uh, those entities um, and those messages. But then there is another um, there is another part is extension of field services with IoT devices. Now that part uh, lives in Azure, and as such, the API. Uh, would be in Azure. So if you if you go in MSDN and you can take a look at the architecture of uh, connected field services, uh, the architecture involves Dynamics 365 online, so it's Serum online only. Uh, so you would have field services uh, core um, that you can talk to with the mobile client and so on. But then you would have um, Azure account, and you would have a service bus, and you have, uh, you know, IoT hub, um, and then you can have stream analytics uh, feeding it into Power BI, so you can have a dashboard that you can surface, and so on. But the important part of this all is that you do have an Azure account, you do have endpoints on your uh, uh, in your services on that Azure account. Okay, like Azure Service Bus and so on. So what you have is uh, primarily IoT connector, and that's where you get the API reference. Again, it's a web API. Um, I was um, thinking, just just let me see. Um, the IoT connector, that's part. This part lives in CRM, so you use your web API to talk to IoT connector. But I'm just looking at uh, um, extending um, solutions, and uh, you can extend it with any language of your choice. So you're not um, you're not limited uh, to um, to dynamic CRM um, anymore because you you will be in um, uh, in Azure, so living in Azure and breathing in Azure, so you would uh, extend it. Uh, you extend uh, your field services architecture. But as far as um, CRM part is concerned, uh, you would talk to IoT Connector, which is a set of entities in uh, CRM. Okay, so so what what is the scenario here that you're you're most likely to look at is it that you want to translate it to a a language that isn't supported out of the box then no 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 uh, what the scenario you would be looking for is particular let's say you build and field services and you've got your your own um i don't know data 
collection points um, in whatever it could be it could be um, you know a thermostat um, on the boiler uh, okay or it could be temperature sensor elsewhere or it could be uh, whatever whatever it is it could be a light sensor somewhere uh, so you would be collecting the data from these all these sensors, uh, perhaps from around the world, you know. So you would have these endless streams of data going into Azure and, uh, and to hook it up to CRM. Um, CRM or field services in CRM need to understand what is this that you're collecting. Um, so there are two parts to it. The one is a stream of data. You definitely wouldn't want to record naked data in your CRM because it's just too much and makes no sense. Let's say you've got, you know, uh, 200,000 sensors from around the world. Um, what you want to do is to put push them into things like stream analytics and then um, collect them on a dashboard and summarize the data. But then you want this summarized data, you want them to push to CRM, right? And that's where this um, um, IoT... Um, IoT connector. connector comes into play. That's how you push data into CRM. Um, I think um, Microsoft has a good case studies with the AccuWeather um, as far as... Um, okay, so they have weather data that they collect and then sort of aggregate them. That's in my a... understanding, yeah. Um, okay. I don't think they, they talk to field services, but as far as data collection is concerned... Um, that's uh, that's how it works. Um, so the sample is more for the IoT on Azure side, and now we're talking about okay. Then if something happens, I want a case to be created for my field technician inside of my Dynamics 365. Uh, that's one. That would be one of the scenarios. So yeah, definitely. Um, just look at the, what. What I found is that uh, um, what would what would be good is end-to-end scenarios. So they probably have uh, uh, they probably have those um, scenarios available, but um, definitely um, it would be nice to have uh, end-to-end scenario. You know, sample one instead of talking just about the entities available, would be good to have an end-to-end scenario. And I'm yet to find one. So I have, uh, you know, um, I have Connector API reference. I'm looking at the um, Connected Field Services architecture, but end-to-end guide would be really nice to use. But what I would expect is people, um, you know, people coming in, trying things out, building it up, and giving scenarios uh, to the rest of the world. Uh, but as far as you, uh, your question is concerned, um, uh, the sample is, uh, for example, they're talking about uh, uh, IoT, parent IoT alerts workflow. So effectively, it's example workflow that ships with, uh, there is a sample solution that you can take and pull apart. Um, it's called thermostat sample solution. So effectively, the scenario that I talked about, so you're collecting the temperature data and then you want to trigger something in CRM based on the thresholds and things like that. Um, so the solution, I just, I'm just i just going to quote because uh, uh, that's exactly um, 
yeah, and it's pretty good if people are going to look at it later. So so keep to the samples all, all you want because I think that's just great. Yeah. Um, so look, um, effectively, what we're talking about is. Uh, uh, this solution demonstrates how to deal with alerts, how to push them to Dynamics 365, um, what happens when device malfunctions, so what do you want to happen, you want to run some workflow, um, uh, then you can have redundant alerts, for example, if uh, um, if you got high temperature and your alert and then your sensor collects uh, data every five seconds, Every five seconds, you get high temperature alert. So you need to be able to filter them down, um, remove duplicates, uh, and then whatever is your remedial processing is. So you should be able to react to the uh, alert to do. And to do that, you can do stuff in CRM. And in field services, you would, for example, schedule a technician on site. If you get an alert from a sensor, let's say sensor died and you you get an alert about faulty sensor, then you can schedule a technician to go and have a look and so forth. Yeah. Um, And I appreciate those two scenarios because they are actually, if you think like a developer, there are two different scenarios. One is a high pressure value and perhaps if it died, it's no value at all for a certain amount of time and there's a if at least if you think about it from a developer point of view, those are two totally different scenarios. Yeah, definitely. Um, could be interesting. I mean, if if your points, uh, data collection points are critical, then perhaps you have uh, duplicate sensors. That's one way to solve the problem. Um, duplicate sensors collecting the same data, then you have to deal with the duplicates, but in a smart manner. So you expect duplicates to appear. If they don't appear, then it's bad. Um, and then the other one is kind of, um, you know, big parent supervisor thing. So you have sensors monitoring other sensors. So the variety of scenarios, or you can yeah. do it on the data collection point. So you're expecting everyone to report every two minutes. If someone doesn't report for five minutes, you have a problem. Yeah, th- then you have a problem. So then perhaps the tip is go look up the Azure SDK and m- it comes bundled with Visual Studio. And if you don't have the latest Visual Studio, either go grab that or the latest Azure SDK. And there is stuff for that dealing with the resource management or Azure resource management, if if you want yeah, to be yeah. precise. Yeah, definitely. You would want, uh, if you have a streaming data, you don't want to collect those in CRM. So you would use uh, fast pacing structures like, uh, you know, in Azure storage, like blobs, tables, and and things like that. So uh, definitely have a look at Azure. And whilst we're talking about Azure and CRM, the one thing I forgot when you asked me about what I do, uh, the one thing I forgot to mention is that I do travel. I travel to conferences um, a lot. And uh, this year, there's been CRM UG in uh, America, uh, which is a must-have conferences for, well, for everyone. I would say it's uh, new convergence. 
right? So um, it's just finished a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's been in Tampa yeah. in US. But the next one, which is a must-go for developers, project managers, architects, and so forth, um, the next one is Extreme CRM. And the reason I mentioned is that I'm actually going to talk about uh, uh, Dynamics 365 and Azure uh, at that conference. It's this year. It's in Newport Beach. It's uh, early December. So if you haven't registered yet, so go to extremecrm.com and register and uh, come and see us. So that'd be great. And I believe that um, both of these conferences are now in Europe, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I think that uh, CRM UD had their first in Stuttgart or something like that uh, this year. So they are both in the spring in Europe and in the autumn they're both in the U US. So yes, um, either yeah. if you're in the US or in the Europe, you have no excuse not to attend. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to, I'm trying to get to Europe um, next year. I think uh, Extreme will be in Lisbon and... Uh, Correct. CRM UG will be in Amsterdam. Um, I'm looking forward. I just wish they talk to each other and schedule them back to back because currently they schedule two weeks apart. And as you can appreciate, traveling from Australia, it's about 24 to 30 hours to get anywhere in the world, apart from um, Asia part, which is for us is good. It's like seven to 10 hours. It's still a long way to travel. Plus the time time zone changes so if they schedule back to back i would go to both now i have to choose which one to go to so which is always a tough choice because i love the developers community around extreme crm to pushing crm to the limits um and i love crm ug because you get to talk to end users and customers uh, you know it's just very vibrant and a wide community at CRM UG. So it's always, for me as a developer, it's always a tough choice. But uh, I always try to speak at both. And this year, so let's go back to our subject. So this year, I'm going to talk about using Azure with uh, CRM. So going back to um, field services guide, definitely you would want to utilize Azure scaling capabilities um, and uh, performance to deal with your raw data that you might be collecting from IoT devices. Um, and then once this data is collected, then you want to kind of process, remove duplicates um, and so forth and push this data to CRM and deal with um, the end results. So deal with the alerts, um, raise alerts and uh, once alert is raised, then you want to deal with that in your field services, perhaps schedule a technician. So that's the most typical scenario to deal with. Um, and uh, you to do that, you, as you mentioned, you would need to know Azure SDK on one part and uh, IoT connector entities uh, in Dynamics CRM on the other um, on the other part of the solution. And to all of the listeners, when we say Dynamics CRM, we always mean Dynamics 365. Look, I don't feel bad because uh, as I was it's looking It's hard. At, uh, 
uh, I was looking at, I think, Keynotes, and we actually, uh, Keynote at CRMUG, and we were counting, we were taking bets how many times they're going to say Dynamic CRM. So, and the count in the keynote went up to something like 14 or something like that. So, we don't Ooh, feel bad. Yeah. At, I don't no. feel bad at all. So, it's, if, it's bad. And I take a look at the documentations now for Dynamic 365. And actually, if you just read just above the headline, it says Dynamic CRM 2016. And then it says, yeah, it's December release of CRM 2016 or... Yeah, no, no, sorry, that was Dynamics 365, yeah. So they're themselves a little bit... Mm, it's a transition. Not sure yeah, what to call it just yet. Uh, well, sometimes they kind of specifics. Uh, they say, oh, it's a flow between Dynamics 365 and then in brackets CRM. So you don't mix it with anything else. And Azure. So, yeah, well... That's, I suppose that's the world. CRM is not going anywhere. For those of you listeners who kind of concerned that uh, uh, CRM kind of disappears in the void, CRM is not going anywhere. So CRM part is just being restructured, rebranded, uh, split into different apps. Um, but the core CRM, the underlying structure is not going anywhere. So the API is not going anywhere. Uh, in fact, moving to web API, but that's uh, <clears throat> that's pretty much it. Yeah. And and as I look at it, now they've launched C uh, Dynamics 365, but I think it's mostly sales. So they, it seems like they're focusing on the CRM part of this Dynamics 365 release. Are you? Do you agree with me? Um, well, the the release is, and that's why I was um, I, I've been having difficulties provisioning the full full demo solution. The release currently includes uh, sales and customer service. Uh, so when you go in and provision a trial, then a sales and customer service is available. Just uh, um, yeah. So don't go for PSA or operations if, or anything I like think, that. I think field services coming on next, um, in probably in the next couple of weeks, and then followed by PSA. So that's uh, and that's the idea behind this, you know, structure of apps when you can deliver functionality. Um, I wouldn't call it exactly vertical because like PSA, is it a vertical functionality? No, it's uh, it's going wide into, you know, across the industries and uh, across the vertical solutions. But at the same time, it's contained in what it delivers. So uh, I would say that... So uh, just for all those right listening, now, PSA is product services administration automation automation thanks yeah so um sometimes yeah i i even forget what um, uh, you know <laughs> what abbreviations are about um 
so when uh, so when you go and uh, you you provision a trial, so um, dynamic series five. Um, I'm just trying to uh, go and see. So when you provision a dynamics uh, three six five trial, and you say which solution you want, so currently you would have only sales and uh, customer service and uh, uh, field service and PSA uh, coming soon. But coming soon, okay. like we're talking about a couple of weeks. Um, so just keep your eye on that. Uh, I'm sure we'll get uh, uh, noise from all over the world when, P let's say, field services is released um, because that's the solution. That seems to be the solution that gets most of the traction with the, uh, with the customer base. PSA is kind of... Uh, Unless you do project style, unless your business requires projects, you would kind of look at it. It's it's quite big and heavy, and it imposes certain project structures. So, uh, say on my customer base, like SMBs, uh, projects, people look at the projects, but then said it's a bit too heavy for now for them. But everyone looked at field services and said, yeah, 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 we, we want to use it because regardless of the business they do, you know, really regardless of the business, particularly if it's something in material business like producing, manufacturing, delivering something, um, everyone wants a slice of it. They don't use all of it, uh, not necessarily, but um, base structures, the, the scheduling part, the work order part, everyone wants it. So that's why field services probably... Uh, um, is uh, quite uh, quite popular and hopefully it will come on into trials next. So I can still see field services solution in my trial, but I'm not sure. Uh, I can't provision a trial of field services, so that's that's probably the difference. And and for me, the PSA part is perhaps more for consultant agencies and the ones that are sort of having a lot of projects at one time and they need help to to figure this out and if they already are a crm consultant agency and then they already have projects then that might be a good fit for them um yeah look i I, I'm looking at uh, PSA to apply to my business and uh, um, due to very fluid nature of my projects, I, I find it difficult to, uh, to fit in. Um, but in the larger companies, definitely, it's, uh, it's especially if you're using Microsoft projects. So let's put the this way. So if you're trying to make a decision about PSA, whether it's for you or not, if you find Microsoft Project useful in your organization, then PSA is definitely for you. So that's the kind of yes or no trigger that uh, uh, you can use in your organization. But it's certainly, that's, that's the yes trigger. So if you are using Project or you find it useful, then PSA is definitely for you. If you're not using Project or you don't find it useful, PSA is still 
maybe for you. You have to look into it. You have to drill in details and see if it fits into your projects, uh, if you can integrate it with field services, because field services and project services, they are now based on the same um, resource entities structure, which is new in, uh, appeared in 2016 and now in uh, Dynamics 365. Um, things like resources, a bookable resource, entity, you've seen those, right? So you yeah. may you may have been wondering what they're all about. So they are about, in this release, about field services and PSA and being able to share and those entities between the two. Hopefully, I mentioned it a few times before, hopefully those entities will come to the developers so we can use them in our scenarios as well. So so trying to get back to actually talking about what's new for developers. Yes, then, that's because what, yeah, we're, so, we're so keen on keen on talking about all of the new, so we're we're roaming around the field here. So we touch on this a little bit. So the customer insights. So that is also part of this Azure resource management hub api then so that's again go to your azure sdk and 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 the connector side is on crm am i correct the customer side is slightly different because with the field services you have the collection points in azure right so you have your iot devices you collect in um you're collecting your data in Azure, but it's up to you what are your devices and what are you collecting. Customer Insights is actually a service in Azure. So it is it is given to you. So this, uh, um, uh, this service talks to CRM, collects the data, um, analyzes the data, and so forth. So uh, Customer Insights API or SDK let's call it API. So Customer Insights API, it's API to talk to this service. Now, unlike um, field services connectivity, you don't talk to CRM, so you talk to Azure service. So we're talking about, uh, for example, a couple things here. Uh, one is, as you mentioned, Hub API reference. Uh, sorry, Hub API, and the endpoint would be... Um, what would be the uh i'm just looking at uh, the endpoints uh it will be like your service name here yeah, found it so you would use something like hub name dot api dot azure customer insights dot com so very similar to crm so you have your except that instead of crm dot dynamics dot com um you would use a hub name dot api dot azure customer insights.com so azure customer insights that's the azure part of the customer insights service so so just just to to be really clear here so if i have contoso dot crm dot dynamics dot com so in hub insights that would translate to uh whatever name of your hub is uh could be um contoso okay, so hub dot api dot azure customer insights dot com so that means that i have to look up what my hub is called in azure then uh correct yes um so, so i if don't I see just any sign... discovery services around that but uh... so if i just sign up for a 
Dynamics 365, do I then get an Azure RM as a resource management portal along with my login then? Um, that's that's my understanding. Yeah, you you would get um, uh, you do need Azure subscription. So customer insights. Okay, so as any of these Azure based services, the services need subscription to live in. So CRM doesn't give you that subscription. So you have to give uh, when you configure customer insights. You need to provide a subscription, an Azure subscription where the customer insights is going to live in. Right? Okay. Okay. And this one, uh, so uh, what you need is um, it creates Azure storage is one of the choices. Um, yeah, it's uh, you need to store customer insights data somewhere. So Azure Storage would be uh, would be the one to use. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at uh, the configuration. Look, um, uh, documentation for customer insights has a step-by-step guide how to configure, how to add data sources, um, how to add dynamic CRM online as data source. Keep in mind that the way I see it is that customer insights as a service, right? And dynamic CRM is just one of the potential data inputs into this service. Yeah. What it means is that uh, you could have input. Um, I'm not sure if it's available now, but in theory, you could have input into customer insights data service from elsewhere, like, for example, from operations, and you probably would be like purchasing patterns yeah. of the customer that would be in operations, right? So uh, this is something um, that you really want to um, to explore and look at and be comfortable with configuring different data sources because that's your data collection point uh, about your interactions uh, with the customer. And uh, um, yeah, so currently so that there are means two... that if you are an ISV or something like that, then perhaps you need to publish if, if say you're you're developing this temperature measuring thing in in the iot hub then perhaps you want to push the data both to dynamic crm some of it and some of it you want to push it to the customer insights so then you have to know both the crm endpoint and the endpoint for the customer insights then um yeah that's what i'm looking for i'm kind of too early to tell because uh, i'll be honest i haven't looked into customer insights the api uh at the great devo uh, at the great uh, uh level of details um difficult to tell um yet what the scenarios are this is something i do want to talk about at uh, extreme crm for example extensibility and uh, so forth um Customer insights takes the data in, how to configure the data source to be consumed inside customer insights, I don't know yet. Uh, but the way it's structured, most certainly um, you can pull in data from um, CRM and from transactional systems, and then you can profile each customer. So absolutely, you're on, um, definitely on the right track with the 
data collection point. So you, you want to collect your data about your customer and uh, you want to uh, this data, you want to customer, uh, you want to make customer insights uh, be aware of your data sources. And then customer insights would pull in this data, do what customer insight does, the magic, and uh, present this data in dashboards and, uh, uh, you know, uh, build the customer profiles and things like that. So this, this part is definitely um, documented. Um, and it does say that in the current release, customer insights supports the following data sources, Azure Blob Storage and Dynamics 365. Um, for Blob containers, what you can do, you can push CSV files. So CSV files, you push them into Blob containers and customer insights will pull them out of those containers. Um, and a CSV file pattern can be mapped to an interaction through the file mapping. So definitely you, you want to take a look how the customer insights structured, what the API is about and so forth. Um, and then to see how you can feed customer API. So currently you can feed it either through Dynamics 365 or by pushing CSV files um, into Azure Blob Storage. So this is your current choice. Hopefully it will expand. Um, but I think it's good enough to get started, um, definitely. The one thing is, um, again, let's go back to the uh, what's new for developers. So for developers, is a new API to learn. So you've got uh, these um, two APIs, effectively. One is um, Azure Resource Manager. Uh, why you want to use this API? Um, because... Customer Insights sits on Azure Resource Provider and um, basically for callers, it's only available through Azure Resource Management API. So what you can do, uh, this uh, Azure Resource Management or ARM API, uh, you can measure, uh, sorry, you can manage your Customer Insights Hub. Uh, you can manage access policies and things like that. You can manage data connectors, um, applications, views, and widgets. Uh, you can work with customer profiles, interactions, links, KPIs, and so forth. Um, yeah, so that's a lot in ARM. And then uh, you have the hub. You're talking about customer insights hub and the endpoints, um, uh, of these, uh, which allow you to interact with the customer insights hub um, that is created for the customer. So you you have uh, what? Um, um, yep, you need to be authorized with the hub. Um, and let me take a look. Uh, what? Um, so to to authorize, what does was that uh, SAS or Active uh, Azure Active Directory? Actually, both, like, I believe. Um, hold on I think minute. you can Yeah, choose. it is. It does support both. So SAS or shared access signature tokens. And you can nice. also use Azure Active Directory. So, um, so with the token-based authorization, um, you can uh, effectively enable, uh, exchange the uh, shared access signature. Uh, shared access signature is very easy to set up. So effectively, it's like a equivalent of a key exchange. You say, he's my key, he's my key. Let's trust each other, done. 
this is the way now, for example, if you want to publish from CRM to Azure, um, like have a plugin that pushes data to um, Azure queue, for example, to set it up it used to be a very painful process of setting up uh, uh, through ACS or so Azure control service. Um, it's I think it's Azure Control Service. Anyway, Access Control Service. Something um, like that. Yeah, it, it was really painful. So now it's very, very easy. So you say, I want to talk to X. He's the key. He's the, uh, you know, SaaS token. Done. Um, very easy to set up. And that's the way, if you have two services, that's the way you want them to talk. And then there is an Azure Active Directory, which effectively uh, enables end-user authentication. Yeah, so that means that you can have both a user or act like a user with the Active Directory, Azure Active Directory, or you can have this sort of more server-to-server -server based connections where you don't really have a user to authenticate as or act on behalf as. Yeah, that's that's exactly my my understanding of the current structure. And uh, for Azure Active Directory, you need a um, an agent or a user who yeah. will be prompted to authenticate. So your service will never see a username or password. The service will get the token. So user effectively will be asked, "Is it okay for this service to access um, a resource, or in this case, customer insight?" on your behalf and users say, yeah, sure. Um, put in username, password and service gets a token and they access it. Um, but if you have a service side. And, and that token does expire and stuff like that. So that's why it doesn't really fit for the yeah. server side and part. It's really not designed to be stored. When we mentioned to Azure guys that look, until you give us server to server, we're just going to store tokens. And they were not happy about it because this is not the way API is designed to work. It's a yeah. bad idea. It's like storing passwords in, um, you know, uh, in open text, storing tokens yeah. with the refresh token. That's pretty much on par with storing passwords. Um, so it's not a good idea, but hey, um, hub API aside and going back to web API, for CRM, we now do have server-to-server. -server. This is one of the things that uh, I personally am very excited about. And I did publish, yesterday I did publish a sample um, on tip of the day how to write a console application that can use um, server-to-server -server authentication in Dynamics uh, 365 online to talk to your CRM. So now you can take this console application, publish it as a web job and have your process running on a regular basis. And uh, there is no username or password exchange. So your service can talk to CRM and coming in as a new type of user called application user. And this user, um, it's authorized as a separate service. So you know who's doing what, you know, on CRM part, you know which service is doing what because each service will be as a separate application user. Uh, and that user account doesn't require a license. So um, 
but you will know when each, if you have 20 applications, each one will come as a separate user. So you will know who modified data and when. You know the problem that used to be that every single service would connect as, you know. The same and a one and only service account that we had. Yeah, the worst case scenario would be CRM admin. Yeah. <laughs> System admin and uh, the best case scenario would be a special service account with the security trimmed down. But in CRM online, um, you you were restricted to five non-interactive user accounts. So if you have six services, you had to use a licensed account. Now the situation is different. So you've got this application users. Um, you de- uh, you you can authorize them differently. You can assign roles to them. Um, they just, yeah, they, they like users, but a very, very special type of user. They, um, um, there are two parts to it. So you create user, you authorize, uh, in Azure, you authorize this, your service to access CRM and off you go. So the process is very straightforward. I'm quite excited about it. Uh, question everyone asks is, is that going to be available for on-premises? when, say, Dynamics uh, 365 is released uh, for on-prem later this year, is it going to be available? Um, The challenge here is that it's not up to CRM team. Um, The challenge is if whether um, ADFS, or or rather, sorry, not ADFS, uh, rather Active Directory, in Windows Server if it's going to support this scenario. Because Active Directory, as released in Windows Server in this instance 2016, is different from Azure Active Directory. Azure Azure Active Directory, as you might appreciate, is is kind of based on the same but slightly tweaked around the edges to support different things that Azure does. So Azure Active Directory does support this um, scenario, does enable or light up this scenario where you can use this application user um, and service to talk to CRM. And very similar scenario would be in SharePoint Online and so forth. Go to on-premise, a CRM team or Dynamics 365 team really want to enable this scenario, but it's, uh, it's not only up to them. So I hope that everyone understands that there's a lot of, you know, components in this um, scenario. And it's not only up to Dynamics 365 team to enable this scenario. It also depends on what capabilities provided by Azure Active Directory, oh, sorry, by Active Directory um, for Windows Server. Yeah, and I was looking at that and I, I thought that I saw uh, uh, somewhere in this uh, in the documentations here that they were scheduling the on-premise release for December. So that is definitely later this year, but I mean, it's not very much later. So I think they're good, doing a great job of keeping up the pace. Um, so far, so good. We were promised, um, um, well, the whole separation happened uh, two years two years ago now yeah we were promised uh, that online would get half annual releases and on-premises would get uh, you know 
uh, annual releases so far we've seen uh, pretty much parity between releases there are certain number of services um, that are not available on premises right um, uh, but in terms of core capabilities uh, definitely keeping up uh, on premises is keeping up so things like you know what everyone's talking about editable grids okay for example they will make it on premise uh, come December you're right so on premises release currently it's in beta so um, if you're on preview program then you can download bits um, they just been released um, recently but uh, uh, the full uh, full release yes it's uh, scheduled for December and I have to say CRM team uh, it's been exceptionally good when it comes to meeting deadlines don't you think so I think so. I, I, I didn't re quite realize that it, it wasn't released, uh, the real release to on-premise, or so I was in, naive enough to try to go to MSD and downloads to search <laughs> for Dynamics 365, and of course there was none at the November 1st. But yeah, you're always hoping that, oh, perhaps, perhaps, no, no, it's December still, okay. <laughs> But but yes, I agree with you. They're doing a great job of keeping the deadlines, and and I want and of course I want to bring up this old one. I I think about like when we had twenty eleven and they were going to add was it multi browser support or something like that? Some update rollup thirteen or something that got like six months delayed or something like that yeah. and. And and then they were like, no, we're never going to do that one again. We're going to change that one from now on. And they did, and they have kept the pace pretty much since. I agree. Yeah, so, um, okay, so what's new for developers um, again? I was looking at the data export and the replication. Can we squeeze in a couple of minutes of the SQL replication here? Oh, definitely. Um, I wanted to close off on the um, customer insights because there are specific, if you go and you read a documentation released, they specifically light up scenarios for ISVs. So if you're kind of ISV and you you developer, you're ISV, and you're wondering what are the scenarios for me because they kind of taken over the world, no, there are specific scenarios where... Uh, ISV can build and configure models for different domains with data connectors. And you were right earlier when you said, well, as you know, as a customer, uh, I want I want to collect a different data about my customers. And that's where ISV comes in. Your customers are different from my customers. You want to collect different data from what I want to collect. That's where ISV can come in and collect specific data about the customers and develop solutions. So uh, definitely, there's a lot of uh, um, a lot of points where um, ISVs developers can use, utilize this customer inside services and extend those. So now, oh, data data extraction. That's a cool one. Uh, I think so too. It's been a long time in the making, so to speak. Uh, effectively, in a nutshell, do you want to? Yeah, let, let's talk about what it is in a nutshell. 
Start there. Go for it. Yeah, in a nutshell, what you can do, you take your CRM data and you push them to SQL. That's pretty much it, right? But uh, imagine it, it is short and simple, but it, but it's huge. It is. Uh, um, it would be so. Um, if, again, it runs in Azure. So, um, what's the official name? Data Export Service. That's what the official yeah, name is. That's what it's called. Yep. Um, okay. So, effectively, what it gives you is ability to replicate your Dynamics 365 data to an external SQL database. Um, the scenarios it lights up, um, the first scenario it lights up is reporting. Because you know, you and I know that um, um, fetch reporting. XML and building reports isn't very sexy at all. Uh, yeah, the yeah, report wizard doesn't generate particularly sexy reports. No, mm. um, we all know that reporting is pain in the neck, um, and I mean using reporting services. Uh, it it works in a lot of scenarios on premises. People do wonderful things. For online, not so much because you're using Fetch XML and uh, there are a lot of limitations comes with it. Uh, performance is not always what we want it to be. Um, so what people been doing all this time for larger deployments, people been pulling data out of CRM, either pulling them into CRM on-premises um, and then running reports on premises, or they were pulling data using SSIS connectors or Scribe or something like that, pulling data into SQL and then building reports and running on SQL. So now we have an official way for fast um, export of your CRM data into external SQL database. So it's add-on service. Um, the interesting thing, Key point, key for keyword for me is replicate. They're not just talking about one-off pulling of the data. They're talking about ability to replicate. What it means is that this service understands incremental actions. So it uh, it it would use um, CRM API to ask for the deltas. So it will be extremely fast. Like, give me the entities that changed since last time. So it will be very efficient and fast. It does synchronize the schema, a Dynamics 365 schema with your uh, SQL Server schema. Um, and it synchronizes it on continuous basis, so delta changes. Um, for so that is pretty good. I mean, then you're not just synchronizing the data, but the scheme as well. So if you're adding an attribute or adding in a total new entity, that will just go into the replication without you changing it. And that's uh, so good. Yeah, it, 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 is, it, it is very good. I'm not sure if scenario when you drop an entity, it would light up. Uh, perhaps not then. Uh, perhaps this one you have to do by hand. But if you exist an entity, schedule it for replication, and you add an attribute, yeah, it will add a, a SQL Server column um, pretty much straight away. So uh, you do create what's called export profile. Um, 
uh, effectively you define what you want to synchronize and uh, uh, as part of the expert profile administrator provides a list of entities so when you add a new entity you actually have to add it to a profile for, for this entity to be synchronized um, and then once you activate the profile off you go um, this is this is really exciting. I'm not sure what's um, what's new for developers because this is kind of more administrator thing. Yeah, I know that's what I mean. It it looks like they have a managed solution for this that you import this and then we have this. You go next, next. You you select a couple of things. You add your of your Azure keys and the URLs and then off you go. Yeah, yeah. So to me, this is not so much developers as administration topic, but it's quite exciting because it lights up so many scenarios for developers. Um, imagine what you can do with this data. Now you no longer have to do anything. It's just very fast and efficient. If you always wanted to have your data on the side to play with, here you go. So um, again, I it seems to be a recurrent topic. I feel sorry for some of the ISVs that been specializing in in doing exactly that. Um, but I guess that's the world we live in. Sooner or later, Microsoft comes along with a solution that overlaps with whatever you created and been using for years, or your customers been using for years, and now there is a native solution. And you can just hope that they bought your stuff and not developed their own. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the one thing that as a developer, uh, and I encourage developers to go and have a look at it, at the part of this solution. The one part of this solution is use of Azure Key Vault storage, oh, Key Vault service. This is something that um, people quite quite often ask, well, why would I want to use it? How would I use it? And so forth. Uh, what is it for? And this is the perfect scenario when you actually don't store the keys. So to communicate between, uh, to communicate um, uh, with the service, uh, sorry, for, the, for CRM to communicate with SQL database, for example, right? Or for this service to communicate with CRM, um, you you create an export profile and then um, one part of that is uh, you're setting up a key vault storage. So uh, you don't store any of the keys inside uh, your profile. Um, the keys that are required to communicate with, uh, uh, say, SQL, you store in the Azure key vault. What it gives you is ability for your security administration in your organization to have a control over the key storage. And you just point to the storage, and but then the security administrators step in and they control the policies of who, when, what can access the key storage, the key vault, um, the expiration policies, and so on and so forth. So that's quite very useful from security standpoint of view, very useful construct, go have a look how it's implemented, um, how Microsoft uses themselves, uses this Azure Key Vault storage and see if you 
can use this Azure Key Vault storage for yourself in your scenarios, in your solutions. So this is for me to sort of have a vault of either the SaaS keys or a username or password combination so I don't have to store them in either plain, plain text or in a config or somewhere in my application so I can sort of okay I need to connect I go over there I with my application I'm authorized to connect to that service and off you go um, yeah it's it's kind of like you know we store connection strings um uh, or username passwords or keys like if you need to access a service SAS token the idea is that don't store it in your application store it in um, key vault and then store the key to a key vault give your application a key to a key vault that way you can control expiration renewal inside the key vault so you don't need to bother yourself with the um, you know um going to your application, changing into every application that uses this um, uh, particular token, and so on, so on. So it's centralizing the storage for your keys. It's like, yeah, it's additional safeguard. It's like a key room for your enterprise. I mean, it's like these, these password managers that... I use so I have a password to that and then I use that to log on to every other service that I use on the internet so I don't have to remember more than one password but I have unique password to every service on the internet that so if one gets cracked they cannot go to another one well yeah definitely it's it's kind of similar scenario so very very um, similar scenario to um, using password managers, except password managers is kind of personal and uh, um, yeah, yeah just the same videos. analogy. Yeah, yeah. For example, if you ask me what your password for your online instance of CRM is, our production instance, if you torture me, I won't be able to tell you. I don't know what it is. Um, well, I pro I can look it up, but it's kind of it's long, it's windowed, it's gobbledygook yep and yeah. you you the same so you use a password manager to um to keep your password so azure key vault is basically yes it's in a nutshell it's a password manager for enterprise um it's a bit more than that but in, uh if yeah. you if we have to um talk about analogies yeah that that would be it i think we're closing up to the end here so perhaps we should just point people to the What's the new list here? And yeah, it's a page-long list. Well, the just the topic, uh, the hyperlinks uh, take the entire page. Um, definitely, there's a lot of about um, in Web API. There's a lot of enhancements in the Web API itself. So uh, uh, we're not going to talk about this. I believe you've got uh, people who know a bit more about Web API than I do. Uh, coming in the future to your show so uh, yeah I'm looking forward myself to listen to other people talking about web API enhancements um, the important thing for me is um, that we still waiting for the parity of web API over the soap 
um, but to um, uh, to help your transitions in the future. What I encourage people to do, and this is not Web API specific. This is basically uh, uh, make your life easier as a developer for now and moving forward. If you if you have an existing deployment, existing development, have a look at tooling. Uh, XRM tooling set of um, assemblies that provide you with the connector, um, simplified connection to CRM, and uh, ability to access CRM service. And it's kind of a thin layer on top of uh, CRM services. Uh, one important thing about XRM tooling is that currently it sits on top of SOAP, but it will be transparently replaced with Web API. So if you're looking for transition, using XRM tooling is a very effective uh, transitional method. So this is something from Microsoft themselves then? Yeah, it's part of SDK, sorry. It's part of SDK, it's a new Git library. So if your application, for example, if you write an application, which is WPF application, prompts user for their CRM, username and password, do not please stop inventing your own dialogues, prompting user for their CRM, username, password, use XRM tooling connector control that will give you WPF, a nice looking WPF window. And the nice thing about it is, is that when new data centers come online, like uh, for example, Canada, Canada is uh, CRM three, I believe. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah CRM3.com. So if you had your own home baked, um, you know, service that prompting and uh, dialogue prompting and looking for services, well, here's the bad news for you. You have to go and, you know, add CRM3.dynamics.com to the list of servers available. If you were using connector, all you need to do is to, you know, refresh your assemblies or new get would do it for you. You recompile, you're done, you go. So I'd say, yeah, uh, it's one of the reasons. Just stop inventing, writing your own dialogues and connectivity parsers and all this sort of stuff. And the good example I can give you, um, everyone uses XRM toolbox, right? So everyone does. Just yeah, let's admit. we do right. So XRM toolbox, yeah, it uses a connector to um, uh, XRM tooling connector to connect and manage your connections. So this is a good example where uh, people use this connector. Um, yeah, so I'd say if I have to talk like for five minutes, which I just did about what should you do in the short term to help you with the migration from SOAP to Web API, I'd say start using, look at the XRM tooling um, as the way to smoothen your transition. If you start a new development, I'd say don't look back, just go for Web API and uh, just go for it, right? Um, the challenge is uh, on the server side, so if you write in plugins and things like that, but the parity will come. So sooner or later we'll have uh, 100% coverage, and then uh, SOAP API will be truly deprecated 
which it is now. It's officially it's deprecated, but it's been deprecated for an entire version now. Yeah. Um though they're not saying uh which release they removing it. So uh, my guess it will sit in deprecated state for a couple of years before they start pulling it out. I mean there've been so much development on soap, so that will probably be taking a long time, but well, that's that exactly for next time then. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what uh, uh, what I've been talking about with this tooling connector, because with the tooling connector, you can transparently replace your organizational service. Uh, because tooling connector does implement org service, so you can replace the entire uh, your entire custom grown org service objects with the uh, XRM tooling and do it very very efficiently because. At the moment, tool and connector does use soap, so it's it slots in very easily. But the time comes, and tool and connector will be rewritten to use Web API, and then your code will just recompile. So, um, so yeah, have a look at that. And uh, yeah, great. Um, yeah, and uh, we didn't talk about it. I assume that um, yeah, that's topics for uh, future conversations. Like uh, how, do you, as a developer. I'm curious now how you talk to editable grids, for example. You know, can you talk to them? Uh, do you mean like on the client side? Correct. Yes. I, I think there's an a new uh, events for them. Uh, so you have this select event, and then on change event, and on save event for the editable grids. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I can see client reference now. Um, so their new uh, XRM dot. Oh yeah, you can access something uh, yeah. uh, services that you can attach to the events, and then you will be get the getting notified when all of that mm. events happen. So you can add your own code to that. So if you have some checks on the client side that you want to add and you probably want to add that to the on save event um yeah speaking of the client side i'm looking at that uh, finally crm started to open native mobile clients capabilities to the developers as well i can i'm looking at there is a new xrm.utility.get barcode value so you get a, a latest value of the barcode scanned with the camera so you can do like product scanners. Cool. Yeah, so for cool. the mobile devices, that's really, really cool. So you can now like have a CRM form and on CRM form, you can actually get the latest barcode scanned with this phone, So which is cool. So again, it's enabling some scenarios we haven't thought about. Yeah, and and with I think they added a couple of uh, references to the offline capabilities as well. So you can create or modify entries offline now. So they added that one as well. So if you go to the XRM mobile, I would say, but I haven't that on top of my head. Look, right you really, now. as far as mobile client is concerned, you really have to get someone who um, who knows how to program uh, their CRM clients because I'm more of a server 
kind of guy. I'm not. I do yeah. deal. I, I'm not JavaScript guy. Um, I'm more of a C sharp, you know, back end, leave me alone kind of guy. Um, yeah, you you really uh, you really need to get someone on the show who knows how to you know deal with JavaScript and the mobile clients and oh xrm.mobile.offline namespace. Uh, there you go. Here you go. That's a lot. Yeah, you can retrieve uh, records, retrieve multiple, update, delete. That's cool. Yeah, so now you can deal with the offline data as well. So really, really cool. Thanks for your participation in CRM Rocks, George. Thank you very much. Thank you, Marcus, for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, and thanks to you listening. And don't forget that you can subscribe to CRM Rocks. Just search for it in your favorite podcasting app or you can comment on Facebook or I will post every episode to Twitter or LinkedIn or just just search for Serum Rocks and you will find it. See you next time on Serum Rocks.